I want to do something different this morning. Y'all please remain standing. Worship team, y'all can go ahead and move down as well. Take TK, you keep playing, please. Sorry. It is different, so not meaning to throw you. Can you keep playing a little bit? Uh, I want to do a specific prayer. I think I said a couple weeks ago the Lord moved in my heart sometimes to do this. Uh, and it also really ties in with what I'm going to be talking about with the church in the sermon about feeling part of a body. And it's the same thing Hunter was talking about. If you were listening to our kids, that every body part matters. And so we have a part of our church body that is in critical care uh, in the hospital. Actually, two. uh, But one specifically that many of y'all know, his name's Larry Gatewood. Uh, He has septus which is uh, just a, um, you know, sometimes you just get angry at the world. Y'all ever do that? You like get angry at uh, creation, you know, because creation is jacked up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the creator is not. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. You understand what I'm saying? But created things, so like cells and microbiome. Follow you, Lecker, or whatever. That's you know, that's a George W. Bush statement. But anyway, stuff like that is uh, man, I get angry at. And so he is septic, and he is not well, and it's in his legs. And I just felt led to pray for him as a church, uh, as a church family. Every body part matters. And so I'd ask you. You may not know him. I know a lot of you do. His wife is Fran. And so this prayer, you know, I usually come up, and I don't like anything rote here, but sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, there's a prayer for the, you know, all that, the bridge prayer. Hey, I want to pray, pray for Larry and Fran, and uh, also a guy named John Henderson. Many of y'all don't know him because he's, he's not a member, but his wife, Diane, is. He's in critical care. So we have uh, a lot of needs in our family. Uh, I mentioned Tabor Weisinger a couple of weeks ago. He is septic as well. And he's kind of on the upswing, but he's like had an IV for a month. Uh, and then, you know, we lost Sonia Barnes earlier in the summer. And so for his family, Marty. So I'm just, I'm just going to pray for parts of the body. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I pray first that everybody in here knows that they may feel like a little body part, but every part matters to you most of all and to us. So for me, as the pastor's church, I want the people here to feel like they matter because they do. And secondly, I pray for specific healing, supernatural healing for Larry. Uh, I am realistic enough to know that you have a, a mighty plan, and sometimes our prayers uh, do not reflect your plan, but I'm just asking as a created being to my creator that you would heal him supernaturally and that you would bring comfort to his wife, Fran, his two boys, uh, people who care about them. I pray for Diane Henderson, who is uh, a member here, and her husband, who's in critical care as well, John. Uh, I pray continued healing for Tabor, that that would happen. I pray for comfort for the Barnes family. Uh, uh, There's so much going on, and those are just, those are four uh, examples, instances. And so there's so much else that, that we don't know, but you do, and I just lift them up, and I just pray the body would get closer and tighter here uh, through uh, whatever it is, through adversity and through blessing. And uh, we would just see you, Jesus, in everything and grow in faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you all for praying. Thank you for uh, 
switching gears real quick. And I hope y'all are well today. Everybody ready? Everybody got their coffee? You ready? No, yes? Yeah. Um, well, I can't really. If that'll work, no. Okay. Turn in your Bible to Romans 12, please. Romans 12. I also may, or I may not, depending on how the Spirit leads, take us into John chapter 17. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Romans 12, there's a, a series that the Lord put on my heart, uh, led to share, uh, called Renew. Renew. And we'll be going through this series over the fall, really up through Advent. And I think it's highly important uh, for you and for us. Uh, it's important for you, whether you realize it or not, me too, but it's important for you because you need to be renewed. And you're really like, I'm, I'm good, man. I think everybody, every individual in here needs constant renewal uh, because we have that stuff, that created stuff that we can get angry at. And then we also have the, another created being, but he's really bad, the devil, who like, attacks us through those, through those created uh, means. So we get down, we get despondent, we get depressed, uh, or we can just be like focused on like really good things, like college sports, like high school sports, uh, like another person, boyfriend, girlfriend in high school, Another person in, you clapping there? Was that, okay, no, just checking, didn't know. Another person, uh, even a, a child, a son, daughter, a spouse, uh, but they become an idol. You know, the simplest definition of idol is a good thing that becomes the ultimate thing. And as I said earlier, we're not the creator and nothing else is. And so very good things that we can enjoy, and I enjoy all of the above, but can uh, become our idol, and that's because we're we're sinners and we're broken, and we you know, there's always a void. I was I heard a uh, a great talk at uh, well, is it J A Chapel, a football player? Didn't know I'm going to quote him, Andrew Ritter, who I got to get a little plug in here. We uh, not to put salt in the wound, LSU fans. He beat LSU a couple years ago with a field goal kick, but he he talked about his highs and lows, and that was a peak, and then he lost football and saw it was an island, tried to fill it with, you know, booze and partying. And it's like, there's always a void. There's always a void, and it's not going to be filled unless it's with Christ. That's a lesson whether you're, you know, here in 10th grade or you're here and you're, you know, busting up to 100. Praise God, you've had a long life. So you need to be renewed. And our church needs to be renewed, okay? And, And I would say that... I may say that next year or two years from now, or I should have said it maybe five years ago, but there needs to be a constant renewal by the Holy Spirit where you, you feel renewed. And it's, it's a joy and a blessing. And so I highlight this in this series because I'm praying for further renewal that's very Spirit-led. And so you're going to be seeing more Spirit things that I would say are like less orchestrated and things like that prayer uh, that hopefully make the body feel more and more connected and bring about what I believe the church is to be. 
church we see in the Bible. So let's read Romans 12. We're only taking one, but actually today we're making this big jump to two verses that we will focus on. And, but I do read from the beginning of the chapter, Romans 12, to where we are so far. So I'm going to read through verse 5, and today we'll focus on Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I'm going to come back and reread verses 4 and 5. But for now, I actually want to do a little bit of what I would call a, uh, there we go, what I would call a spiritual autobiography. So I am talking about me, whether fortunately or unfortunately, a little bit about my life, but I felt led to do this to kind of give you some context of what I think about uh, church. Uh, some of y'all have heard little bits and pieces of this, but probably not all, and I'm not going to go long. I'm going to time myself no more than, I don't know, if it's five minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up about, about me. A spiritual autobiography. So I, like most of you, were born and raised in a church. It was a small country church. Uh, it happened to be a Methodist church, but I like to say, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but it's true. All, all small country churches are really Baptist, whatever other name you put on it. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, we go down by the river. We, I mean, all that stuff, you know, you think of, or at least in Mississippi. So I was raised in the small country Methodist church. It was really a form there. I was formed there, not necessarily by the uh, teaching and preaching, although we had some really good teachers come through, but I think back to the community and the uh, people who loved me and and really reared me up, and I see these kids up here earlier, and I I hope that that can happen, and uh, I know it has happened, and then I I also know that, uh, like some, I mean, I hit high school, and I hit 10th grade, and there were uh, a lot of other uh, influences, uh, some that were positive, but others that were, were less than positive, and I fell prey to those influences. So I slowly got disconnected from church, like not, I, I would always say I wasn't connected from God, or you know, I would always like throw that out uh, to my parents when I would get in trouble, but I was disconnected from God because I was disconnected from the church, and I didn't see that, but that truth, and that's, I think that's the truth for for many, you get disconnected from church, you are going to be disconnected from God. Whether you are, you know, a youth or whether you are young at heart. Went to Ole Miss, totally blew off church. Uh, really started thinking church was a joke, okay? Uh, have, also have never wanted to be like what I am 
as a pastor until I was about 27. So, I mean, you're looking at like, you know, I always say, you know, some pastors had a wild decade, well, had a wild semester, had a wild decade. Anyway, and so it was about 27 that I started thinking, but I was at Ole Miss. One thing did influence me, though, and this was God's grace, but I got to be part of a small group, small group Bible study through a ministry there at Ole Miss, and I was part of the small group Bible study and grew in the Lord, learned a lot. It's good. Then jumped to my senior year, and I was going to RUF because that's where I thought the cutest girls were, but got part of another small group Bible study, and that really impacted me as well with those relationships. So then still totally thought church was a joke. Like, like what we're doing, what I'm doing now. Just, you know, joke central. Like, you know, why do you go? Moved to Washington, D.C. Usually, I mean, usually couldn't make church because I was hungover. Um, so, I mean, if you're hungover here, I'm really glad you, you made it. Uh, and I, I know that there's a pretty high chance given last night. So, you know, <laughs> the... Uh, but again, I would flicker in and out of a church, which is a great church now, which I regret it. It's called Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Awesome church. I like read books from the pastor now. Really have actually built a lot of the structures in this church based on that church, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, elders and deacons. But I got part of another small group uh, through the Senate chaplain, who was a man named Lloyd Ogilvy, And he really had a big influence. And so again, his his teaching. He was Scottish or part Scottish, and he had pastored Hollywood Presbyterian Church, and he pastored like Jimmy Stewart, and I don't know if you're an old movie buff, but I am, and so that like real, I mean, that's a big idol for me. Oh, wow, movie star, and like, so that's, you know, obviously all pastors are legit, but I thought he was like really legit, because he was Jimmy Stewart's pastor, and anyway, kept going, felt led to seminary, still thought church is a joke, that was a constant because I know you're like, wait, you went to seminary? Yeah, I was going to be in ministry, okay? And like I was going to go out and change the world, but not through what we are here, not through a local church, not through a child. Because I really thought I'm much better than that, okay? I mean, I'm much better than being a pastor. Uh, I'm much better than like organizing church services. I can do a lot more with my life. And if I want to change the world, you can't do it through here. I say all that because, and I'm ending now, two common threads, if you notice. One was the impact of a small group in my life. So I really think it's critical for all of you to be part. You, actually, you are part of a small group whether you realize it or not. It may not be like Bellwether Center, but you've got a small, tight group of friends. Well, I think you should find that small, tight group of friends and at least have conversations about spiritual things, uh, preferably things in the Bible, but maybe... You know, we can get there slowly but surely. And then the other constant thread was I just did not think church was a vehicle. Okay, let me make this clear. You know, vehicle like you drive a vehicle was a vehicle uh, to uh, do powerful and uh, great things and change the world and all that. And the Lord has taken me on a 180. And you, many of you will debate me on this, but I think a lo- the local church is now the only means to do, to change the world. Because God's in the process of changing the world. He's doing it through 
his church. He's not doing it through individuals. So you do have to kind of check your ego at the door and say, Lord, whether you give me long life and big or small church or great ministry, you know, I'm in. You just do what you're going to do because I know you're going to do it and I just want to be a part of it. But I say this, I mean, in the Bible, God's plan A is the church and there's no plan B. And that's why I'm very committed to helping uh, churches and pastors all across the world, Italy, uh, Dubai, or United Arab Emirates, India, Honduras, elsewhere, and here. Uh, we're going to be in conversation with some other Acts 29 churches, which is a network we're entering into, about planting some churches in Mississippi, because I think we need... Oh, and Jackson, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of churches, but we still need life-giving churches for the Gatewoods and for you and for the world. I say all that to talk about my trajectory. Now I want to talk about us as a group, Bellwether Church, real quick. Bellwether Church, we started, uh, my wife and I were blessed, if you didn't know this, at uh, Christ United Church. I served there. We started Bellwether 10 years ago. Uh, I mean, and leaving Christ United, let me just say it like this. I don't know if I've ever said it like this. I mean, it's complicated. I mean, some bless you, but then others are like, well, are they going to, you know, take, you know, 500 people with it. Well, obviously we didn't do that, okay? But, you know, you know what's that going to mean? And I mean, it's just, it's human nature, it's sin. But for the most part, you know, it was good and blessed and we were able to start and had made great relationships there, some of which are still there, some which did come with us, and it was a huge blessing uh, for us. And we've started the church, but the church has changed. Uh, and the church has been renewed, and I have changed, frankly. Uh, some of the things that I think about, um, mission and ministry in the church have changed, and some of y'all have seen that and seen the whole progression dynamic. My preaching and teaching's changed. Some of you are like, man, it got a lot better. Some of you are like, man, it's gotten worse. Okay, it's fine. Whatever you, you have your opinion, I just be who God made me to be. Period. My leadership has changed. You know, God's in the process of constant renewal. I say all that because as we hit this kind of 10 year point, one thing my wife has been and God's grown us in is like, we're we're really in. Like, we're really sold out. I was telling the Duck Horse. I was, you know, watching one of the games last night, you know, over there. And that, uh, you know, we're, just, we're in. And whether that's here or, or elsewhere, you know, we're just like, God, we're, we're, you know, we're giving you our life. And I wish you'd know my wife's story. I mean, she wouldn't say this, but I need to say it for her, I think. I mean, she's given up everything. She's really, if you know it, she's given up everything. Everything. Friends, family. She's given up everything for Christ. And so we really, you know, this is, this is no longer a joke to us. And I'm not saying it's a joke to you, but we are, you know, full throttle for the kingdom. Sort of like a world evangelism. We're full throttle. Span, you know, Jackson, where, wherever we are. For you, for the Gatewoods, for you. This is a body, okay? We're all part of it. So that being said, that's where we are. Now you're like, why would you just give me a, well, it ties directly to this verse about being a body and what the church is and also what we are and who we're going to be, okay? Both now and in days ahead, weeks ahead, and in the future. So it's a very important uh, message. But they all are, like I've said, in this renewed thing. So let's, let's go back to what the Bible says every church should be like. And if you don't feel this, then I'm so thankful you're here because I want it to start today, okay? Verse 4, now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
as we have many parts in one body. So we have many parts in one body. And all the parts do not have the same function. I think we can, as Hunter said to the, the kids, I think we can all agree on that. A toe is not a finger. An eye is not an ear. An arm is not a leg. I mean, you can come up with body parts. I know that. But anyway, it is one body and yet many parts. And you know what's so interesting to me is you can have the most, uh, you know, I would say I, I write with my, my right arm. And so I would say, you know, my right arm, my right hand. I mean, that's essential. I mean, if I lost that, I, I, I could make a shift, but it, it would take a, a long time. But that this is an essential part. Uh, I like to walk. I'm thankful to walk. My, my feet are uh, essential. So, you know, I, sometimes we're like, well, they're more essential parts than the other. But here's the thing. If the part that you think is least essential gets hurt or damaged in even the smallest way, like your whole body feels it, okay? For example, you see this? Okay. This is not like a sermon prop or a trick today. You see what I'm talking about? Okay. Like I literally cut my finger, and I can't lie at church on a bottle opener, you know, a cap, okay? So I was trying to open a bottle, and it was cheap, okay? Not the, not the bottle or the brand, but the bottle opener was. And I get a little cut Friday night. It's like, dang it, you know? And it uh, all of a sudden started bleeding. So I've had, it doesn't really heal fast, and yet it hurts a little bit right now. This, 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 now, obviously, it's my index finger, so it's a pointer. I'm not much for pointing, but it's still... Like I feel it, you know, and it's just a finger. It's a nagging injury, okay? So the whole body feels it. And it's the same in a church. Uh, the church is God's plan A, no plan B, because we need people. And when one part of the body is slightly hurt, okay? So this is not, like I didn't, Brother Duckworth, you lost part of your finger, didn't you? Yes or no? Did you? Or no? Okay, there you go. This is just a, a cut, okay? Just a slight wound on a, not the arm, not the leg, not, you know, not the head, not a brain injury, you know, but, and you feel it. So it's similar in the body. You may think you're slight, you're, you're not, and you may think your wound is slight, but it's not. And it needs to heal, okay? Moving forward in this, in this verse, it says, In the same way, verse 5, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Go back again. Now as we have many parts of one body and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I love that because it's saying two things at the same time. saying in the same way, we are one body in Christ, as I was just talking about. But also it says individually, we're still individuals. Like you are still a unique human being created in God's image with gifts and a future and a plan for your life that is yours totally, completely, individually. And as a, as a world and a culture, we tend to focus on that. And I think it's true. 
Anyone can be a leader for Christ. You have your own call. You have your own gift. Not everybody's called to be a pastor or a missionary. Some are. Some are called to be doctors. Some are called to be lawyers. Some are called to be lawyers, then become a pastor. Some are called to be artists. Artists in painting. Some are called to be artists in writing. Some are called to, to teach. Not necessarily teach at a church, but teach in a school. Some are called to use uh, the gifts of drama and make people be entertained. Some, are, some have a gift of timing. Timing is a gift. We were talking about this as a family. Timing is this. Some are the timing of comedy. Be a stand-up comic. I know Christians who are this, you know. God's gifted you as an individual. So I want to be clear on that. But at the same time, you have to be connected to this body. Once you can discover your gifts, hopefully you're at a church where there is good teaching and that encourages you and sends you out in mission, but that you're part of this body. Two examples real quick. I was talking to a young man. Well, he's not even a young man. He's a kid. He just got baptized. I'm not going to say his name. He's not part of this church. Love his family. We're friends. Just got baptized. But having these severe doubts, anxiety, uh, and I remember feeling this too. I don't know. Has anybody ever felt that? Raise your, if you if you're, have courage, raise your hand if you've like been saved or baptized. And like, you just had these doubts. Of like, man, what if there's just nothing there? Like, there's really, it's all a joke. Anybody felt like that ever? Thank you, courageous people. Um, anyway. It, uh, that happened to me. I was baptized in seventh grade. I remember in ninth grade. I just had this huge crisis of faith. It was just like darkness, blackness. Like, you know, what if it's nothing? Okay? So this kid, he's in junior high, received Christ, baptized, and is just, is just getting hit, you know, with anxiety and, um, and the devil. And just not, just like, what if there's nothing? What if there's nothing when you die? What if there's no, what if this is just not? So I've talked to him a couple times. And, you know, I reiterate what's in the Bible, and I reiterate that I care about him. And, but he's like, well, how do I make it stop? How do I make it stop? And that, that's, a, that's a great question. It's a great question some of y'all have. How do I make my anxiety stop? How do I make my depression stop? Okay? And I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying it for y'all. How do, how do I make these, these bad feelings stop? How do I make it stop? Okay? Well, there's a couple things. It's real simple, actually. Now... Sometimes we don't do them, and sometimes they may, may not seem as simple. But one I told him is like, well, you need a church. What I mean by that in, like, real-world world terms, you need people around you who are other Christians that will encourage you, that will call you, that will text you, that will talk to you in these times. Uh, you, you need that. And I'm not talking about a building or a steeple. I'm talking about people. It's why the church is plan A and not plan B. When you... You hit the dark cloud moment that you have people around you. Also, I said, and just a little bit of advice for y'all is not only pray when you go to bed, but sometimes reading scripture. I do believe this. I, look, I believe spiritual warfare. We're all being attacked. Attacks happen. Reading scripture before you go to sleep at night, I actually think like really protects your mind and, and guards off um, arrows or missiles that attack your mind. I mean, there have been huge studies about how uh, Satan, the devil, the, the minions work at night and when you can't sleep and it's dark. And so that's one thing. And, but I said, people, I said to this kid, your parents, uh, look, I'm here for you. People at your church, you got to have this. Another example real quick, and I'll, I'll use the Gatewood family. You know, and I was, uh, I was actually going to use this illustration before everything really 
hit the fan medically uh, in their life over the last 48 hours. But uh, their small group meets on Sunday nights and uh, highlight the Duckworths again. Sorry, y'all gotten three shout-outs today. It's not, uh, I, know, I know you hate that, Ted. Anyway, so, <laughs> just joking. They were meeting Sunday night, and I was asking them about their small group. And they were like, you know, it's a real eclectic group. I mean, it's not necessarily everybody that we might, uh, this is not meant to sound bad, but, you know, it's not, we might naturally hang out with. It's very eclectic, and that's, that's good. And I think that's great. That's great. I mean, that's, I mean, the church is meant to be eclectic. I mean, you're meant to what we call love the other person, somebody you wouldn't normally, like, hang out with at supper club or the, the party you go to. And that's, that's great. It's not like, it's not meant to be weird. It's meant to be church. And you're like, well, church is weird. Well, there is a supernatural element of different people coming together and, and the Lord fusing hearts and minds. And it's always happened through history, and it will continue to happen. So I use them as an example as like just an eclectic group that's really grown and flourished together. And now, where they're going through a, a valley, a storm, you know, a group surrounds a family. So you need that. We need that. We need to be that together. So this is what the Bible says, and I'd close with a, a couple thoughts. First off, about you. Uh, what do you what do you need? Well, you most of all, guys, gals, young, young at heart, uh, you need Jesus. So I am going to read this passage in John 17. This is Jesus' prayer for all Christians uh, in all years and centuries. So even us today, you need Jesus. You need to know Jesus cares, that he loves. You need to receive Jesus into your life. But you do not need to do it alone. It's not meant to be an isolated deal. I mean, yes, you accept and you receive the gift of Christ, but from the, it's not, and I lived that way for many years. Like, oh yeah, I mean, my faith is just my own. I mean, it's a personal deal. I mean, you know, church is over here. It's kind of a joke. It is weird. You're weird, pastor. I mean, I've got my own thing, and I'll, you know, it's it kind of ties in with the coolness of culture, like, you know, your individuals and all that. And That's not how, that's not Christianity. Uh, for me, at least, looking back, it was selfish. It was ego-driven, uh, thinking I was better than many. And I, honestly, I have a pet peeve now. I mean, when people want to use the name of Jesus to raise their own name, I have a big problem. Uh, so that is a pet peeve. And I see this, frankly, all the time uh, in, in, quote, ministry, that they're really about their name and not the name of Christ. They really can't check their ego at the door. And I don't, uh, I don't like that. I never have liked that here. But it's very, very uh, just prevalent because we're sinners. Not just here, but in general. But this is, we need Jesus. And it's his name. So I want to end with him. What he says in John 17, verse 20. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one. Maybe be united. One body. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me, so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me, and that's Christians too, not just these disciples, 
to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. I mean, you don't think there's supernatural things in Christianity. This is Jesus talking like the love you had for me before anything the cosmos was ever thought about. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. What we first and foremost need is, is Jesus, to receive him, the gift of Christ. And then everybody needs the gift of a church body, a real community, uh, the real family that will, will never die or be wiped out, uh, that will never, never change eternally. You need that. So I'd love for you to first consider, maybe reevaluate uh, your own faith or your purported faith. We have a baptism service in a six weeks, two months. It's in November. But if you haven't been baptized, I'd love to talk to you about that. So I'd love for you to receive Christ, but I'd also love to reevaluate how you think about your church. If this, if this is your church home, if you're a covenant member, and so that's not all of you here. But like, I am so thankful for you. Think about how you can pray for this body. Uh, and I know so many of you do, uh, and you give in, in silence, and I think that is fantastic, and thank you. But how you can pray for this body uh, to be one, uh, how you can serve it with your presence. So sometimes we serve it without being seen, and sometimes you serve it with your being seen. And one of the greatest ways to do that is just simply being here and coming to worship. And I know it's football season, so, I mean, I'm going to some games too. But I, I say that, say, if, if you go out, then still be part of this body wherever you are and be Christ. Okay? And when you're here, that we worship together. And see it as a time of, I mean, I know it's, a, I mean, it's, this is the sermon series, but it's each Sunday, a time of renewal. Say, I want to be, you know, even though, hey, it's, it's not, I'm not awake before 11, well, you know, get some coffee. If you, if you like, want Starbucks, hey, man, I'm always, I, I'm always looking for an excuse. I'll go buy Starbucks. How you can pray for, how you can be present, how you can give. I've said this, I think every member should give to raise more. I say it, and I'll start continuing to say it more and more. Raise more is a separate fund. It's not our church budget. Half of it goes to missions. Half of it go out, goes to pay off this property. So, like, if we enjoy the property and we're committed to mission, and you're a covenant member here, I mean, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. I think every member, it's called more, raise more. I'm not even asking for the offering of uh, <laughs> the budget. I'm just saying give to, to missions and the property. But I think every member should. I really do. And see how you can, it's a cliche, but not just be involved, but, like, just be Christ. You know, and being Christ is, it's going to the hospital, it's, um, it's, delivering supplies to a local school. It's, uh, it's being part of some group. Uh, it's you know, seeing how can I mentor these youth that face so much stuff. You know? So it doesn't even have to be formal, just informally, part of the body. Part of the body. It's a unique gift, the church body. I want to live into it more. Let's pray how we can do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for your body. May we move into it more and more by your power, by your grace, by your spirit. I pray for those that they would be renewed uh, as they reevaluate their faith walk. 
And I pray that they would uh, be convicted by your spirit to begin anew and give us the power to love one another, love those who are hurting physically, love that finger who thinks they're a finger but really not, that's hurting slightly, and just be, reflect your, your love more. In Jesus' name, amen.